well, traveling in and to itself is is pretty fun. You oh, know, yeah. it, it's kind of a drive for us. It's something that, you know, I've always done. And, you know, I, I've, I've always done tours, albeit they were much smaller, shorter tours. Now they're months and months and months, whereas before it would be two weeks and back, a week and back. I wanted to see stuff. For the last 20 some odd years, I've been flying over everything and then spending my time in hotels and in convention centers and trade show floors. So for me, it was about if we get on the road and do this, the worst thing that could happen is we get to see a bunch of cool stuff. But we do want to expand the fan base, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's nice to be loved in your hometown, but it's nicer to be loved in everybody's hometown. Yeah. Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 166. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and on today's episode, I'm sitting down with Chuck and Michelle from The Status Crows. We met Chuck and Michelle a couple years ago at our very first RV Entrepreneur Summit, and since they've hit the road and started booking a ton of music gigs. And this has been a question that we've seen pop up from time to time in our Facebook group, how to make a living as you're traveling across the country as a musician. How do you price your gigs? How do you uh, contact vendors and reach out to them? So that's something that we dug into on today's episode with Chuck and Michelle. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. All right, Michelle and Chuck from Status Crows, thanks for being on the podcast, guys. Thank you for having us. We're, we're glad to be here. Yeah. So you guys closed this down last year at our RV Entrepreneur Summit. Y'all are amazing musicians. You cover like over a thousand songs or something crazy like that. And uh, first of all, it's just been an honor. And I sincerely mean that to get to know you guys. I think y'all are just amazing human beings. And I'm excited to have this conversation with you guys. Well, we are too. You were, uh, you and Alyssa were very inspirational for us as far as uh, uh, hitting the road full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really like fault, really. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. it. Yeah. It kind of transpired at the first RVE. We, uh, we attended the first RVE, not even having an RV yet. Yeah. We got uh, one of the cabins at the campground and attended that way and then ran home and immediately bought an RV afterwards. (laughs) So, so how did, that's kind of a good starting point. How did this whole life come on y'all's radar? Like what were you guys doing a a few years ago that you started thinking about, you know, uprooting and and going out and traveling the country? Well, when I was six, which was a long time. We're going, we're going way back, aren't we? Going to the beginning. (laughs) Super far back. Yeah. You know, when, back when I was listening to the Jackson five and crazy things like that, um, you know, ever since I was a tiny little kid, I've always wanted to to hit the road in my band and just go out and live the rock and roll lifestyle. Uh, so it's always been kind of a dream of mine. It kind of rolled around with the RV though, on a couple of prongs. Uh, number one, Michelle was starting to get into tiny houses on TV. Oh yeah. That was my gateway drug to this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. tiny it, houses. it really is for so many people. Like, I think that was kind of our first thing. Cause it was more pop culture. I mean, it still is, but that was like a mainstream thing a few years ago. And then I, then you kind of realize like, well, it's not super practical to like, oh, maybe live in a tiny house because they have to be certain zoned and they don't move. And then they're like, oh, well, Airstreams are cool. And then like eventually you end up getting like a class A gas from like Winnebago or Thor or something. Anyway, it's kind of funny to see the progression. Yeah, my classic <laughs> journey right there mentally. And uh, so that was our first kind of idea. And then Chuck and his infinite wisdom said, well, you know, they make actual like 
homes on wheels that are designed to go down the road. Maybe we should look at that. And uh, my family was pretty familiar with the RV lifestyle. My parents um, have had coaches, you know, for years traveling around. So it wasn't a foreign concept to us. We just were trying to figure out uh, we spent a lot of time figuring out how would we do this financially. We both had corporate jobs back then, and uh, we were based in Los Angeles. And but doing the the gigs locally, uh, being a band locally in that in that area. And we would we would go out on tours, but they would be short. You know, we could mm-hmm. only do them like the limit of our vacation. So <laughs> we would go out. You know, we'd take two weeks, and okay, we're going to hit um, you know ne- Nevada, Idaho. Um, Utah, uh, Colorado, and come back, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of out and back. We a lot of out and back trips. We'd do whatever we could do in long weekends. And uh, it just wasn't making it. Yeah, well, it was in our van. So we'd have to go to a hotel room to spend the night. And so whatever we would make as musicians would just be eaten up by by the travel expenses that we were ma- doing, which it was fine because we were loving doing it. But it just wasn't breaking. We, we were paying them to play. Mm-hmm. And invariably, you'd forget your toothbrush, too, which is a problem. Yes. <laughs> it's easier if you have everything with you. So, so, Chuck, you had this dream from like the time you're six. You're watching all these musicians and wanting to like go travel the world with your band. And it sounds like you. You, you've held on to that dream, like no matter what you were doing in your career, that was always something you wanted to do. Yeah, it gets in your blood and it stays there. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people that just it gets in your blood and you can't get rid of it. And uh, and I'm one of those people. I'll never get rid of it. You know, until my hands fall off, I'm going to be playing as as much as I can. <laughs> I'm just thinking through like what this period of y'all's life may have looked like. Um, to kind of paint the round out the picture, Chuck, what were you doing uh, like for your day job? So I was I had a day job as an engineer uh, that I had been doing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was pretty much tired of that, and uh, I wanted to get a, get away from it. And at, at the 30 year marker, uh, somebody brought it to my attention as, "Hey, you could retire, even though you're not 65. You can retire." I'm like, "What? <laughs> Let's do that." But then then we had the problem of, "Oh yeah, we still have to make you know some of that money back because while well, the musician lifestyle is is fun." Uh, it's not necessarily the most profitable thing all the time. So we started developing multiple income streams. We have some property. We get some money from that. And Michelle found herself a snappy new job uh, mm-hmm. on the road uh, that she could do from anywhere as long as we have internet connection. Mm-hmm. So uh, that became the, the hinge pin right there. When she got that job, it allowed me to pull the pin on the on the retirement, and away we went. Mm-hmm. I love that. And there – to me, when I when I hear somebody say something like that, it makes me really excited because I grew up in an area where it's like a lot of people, they look forward to retirement because they've like worked really, really hard and as they should be. But it's kind of looking forward to it more from like a, a leisurely perspective, maybe like I'm just going to hang out and not do anything. And that's always like a terrifying thing for me. And it's always really inspiring to hear somebody who has, you know, like you're entering this this phase of life after you have, you know, worked really hard and you are so probably more excited than ever. Like you're getting to now travel and do what you love. It's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't ready to, to let go of my entire career uh, in my industry. I, I was doing outside sales for over 20 years in um, the apartment industry, uh, mostly software. And when this opportunity came along to kind of be uh, not so much sales, but more on the support end of things, uh, it just was a perfect fit for me to be able to continue on working in the industry I love with a, an amazing company that just loves to hear where we are and what we're doing. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's it's like the topic of conversation every time we do a company meeting. They're like, where are you today? Which is really great to have that kind of support. That's awesome. So your job actually let you go remote like you were working yeah, for them? Well, uh, I started first and foremost uh, as an independent contractor, kind of trying it out. And I kind of just didn't mention <laughs> that we were on the road already. And uh, spent, I think, a month of my my trial employment in the middle of the quartzite desert uh, boondocking and never missed a meeting or a call because we, we prepped for great internet beforehand. And uh, the minute I signed my uh, full-time paperwork, I... I pushed it across the table and I said, okay, well, now we need to have just a one quick little conversation about what I do on the road. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of sprung them after the fact. At that point, you had already kind of validated yourself. They're like, they, they, they weren't looking at you as like Michelle who lives in RV and does contract work for us. They were just like, oh, that's just Michelle. And oh, now I guess I have seen and maybe her backdrop uh, in her Zoom videos that, you know, it's a home on wheels and the background's changing. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly it. And uh, uh, they've been terrific. Uh, but, you know, for anybody who's going to kind of maybe try that with their existing company or maybe a company that they're interviewing with, um, you have to be absolutely impeccable. If I, I, I was part time as an independent contractor, I, I worked full time hours, even though I wasn't supposed to or needed to. I was there for every single meeting I put in more than I needed to in order to get that gig. And, uh, and now, you know, it, it's working great. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, going back to when you guys first started talking about the, a different lifestyle, I just assume like Chuck coming home one day and Michelle, you're just like, you have to watch this like tiny house show. Like what was kind of the process? And then at that point, Chuck, did your mind just start kind of ramping up? Like, wait, tiny houses, wait, that could be, I could sell her on an RV and then I could go hit, we could go hit the road and do music. Like, did you make those points automatically or was, how did that go? I did not. It was kind of, a, we kind of backed into it. So, yeah. so I got her off the tiny house and into the RV idea. And then she started watching every single RV video that was possible in the universe. And she started researching every single RV type that, that she could possibly research. I mean, she can tell you specs on RVs for days. <laughs> it's kind of insane. Uh, and she just, she was drinking this Kool-Aid as, as fast as she could. I wasn't even that far on board. It didn't, you know, it didn't occur to me until we attended the RVE summit Yeah. that, oh, we could do this. Yeah. You know, it, it, was, it really took, and she kind of snuck it in on me too, because we had just bought some property in San Antonio and we were making flights back and forth, trying to find more property and to check up on the property we had. The first RVE was not that far in Fredericksburg. And so we're on the plane on our way to San Antonio to check on property. And she's like, oh, and by the way, at the end of the trip, there's this thing we're going to go do. <laughs> oh, wow. You t I, think I, may, I think I may have heard this story before, but you didn't oh, yeah. even know you were coming. Yeah. yeah it, was on, it was on the plane that I oh, got that news. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, whatever you want, dear. <laughs> okay, all right. And then we got there and we met so many amazing people. Oh yeah. And we, you know, we went to the seminars and we learned about what people were doing and how they were doing it. And, and all of a sudden the light bulb came on for me, mm -hmm. you know, that's what it took was to, to see that it was, it was a viable, uh, lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love, so you, you'd really had no idea what you were getting into that first weekend. Did you? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I know. That was, I think, a very, very important three to three to four days for us. Yeah, but so. it connected a lot of dots for me. You know, mm -hmm. it, it finally there was a light at the end of the tunnel. It was like, wow, I really can be 
a full-time musician, you know, I mean, I say I've retired, but you know, I, I, I work way more hours now doing the band business you know, mm-hmm. than I ever did for, for the, the company that I was working for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I want to get into status quo and talking about y'all booking shows and kind of digging into that side of things. But just out of curiosity, talking about connecting the dots, what were the things that were kind of gray or foggy in your mind about like wanting to go out and kind of experience this lifestyle? Like what were the things or like, what was the biggest fear that you had? Well, I always joke that there, I had two really big fears. One that I was going to somehow get poo on my face because there's all these stories about dropping your black tanks and things exploding. Right. So that was a big fear. But, uh, and also too, like, where am I going to get my hair done? Like, those were the two things like, you know, from a girl's perspective, (laughs) how am I going to leave Los Angeles and leave my hairdresser? Like that was a big deal for me. But, uh, but as far as, uh, connecting the dots, with regards to the big picture, I think that uh, we both needed to see how could we leave our our audience base that we had built in Southern California. Because we, we did have a, a nice, you know, fan base here in, in in Southern California, and we still do. And and to leave that like comfortable nest of like regular gigs on a monthly basis out into the great wide open and, and booking in strange places we'd never been and people didn't know us and we didn't know them and, and how that would all work out. Uh, that was, that was something that we had to connect dots on. We actually met two amazing people at the RV summit that weekend, uh, Rob and Maureen Strobridge, mm-hmm. uh, who I think you interviewed in one of your podcasts Yep, and, um, they were instrumental in connecting those dots for us because they have a business of remote control uh, car attraction that they take to fairs and festivals all over the country. And we were drawn to them immediately during uh, that weekend. And they were talking about what they do. And they were like, why aren't you doing the fair circuit? And we're like, we don't know. Why aren't we? We don't know anything about that. And so we spent an afternoon picking their brain about how that would be possible. And, uh, uh, that became one of our, uh, big focuses on getting gigs out on the road was to, to break into that fair circuit. And I'm happy to say that we actually did book our first one, uh, coming up this summer in Wyoming, uh, the Campbell County fair in Gillette. We're going to be awesome. playing there. Congrats. Yeah, and so that's, uh, we, we credit Rob and Maureen Strobridge for <laughs> not pointing this out to us that this is a thing, but then, you know, helping us, really helping us uh, connect the dots to the right people to um, be able to book those gigs. Hopefully, so. hopefully this is a gateway fair for us. Yeah. Yeah. We're hoping that we're going to do lots and lots more fairs uh, in the coming years. I love that. That's awesome. I mean, I, that totally makes sense. And I, I hadn't realized how much time you guys had spent playing locally around Southern California before he did the road. Cause I'm sure it's just easy at a certain point. It's like, well, I can just um, you know, book shows here and there and everyone, they already kind of know me. I don't have to cold call. It's, it's more comfortable. So to go out and kind of say, well, like, well, our next place we're going to play gigs is like the entire amount of the U S is kind of intimidating. Like, how do you, (laughs) you know, so what, um, as you guys started thinking, like, we're going to jump into an RV and we're going to go travel. Uh, what was the thing that pushed you over the edge that made that worth it? Like, why not just stay locally? If you love playing music, like why go out and, and travel and make it harder? Well, traveling in and to itself is, is pretty fun. You know, it's kind of a drive for us. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that, you know, I've always done. And, you know, I've I've always done tours. 
albeit they were much smaller, shorter tours. Now they're months and months and months, whereas before it would be two weeks and back, a week and back. I wanted to see stuff. For the last 20 some odd years, I've been flying over everything and then spending my time in hotels and in convention centers and trade show floors. So for me, it was about if we get on the road and do this, the worst thing that could happen is we get to see a bunch of cool stuff. But we do want to expand the fan base, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's nice to be loved in your hometown, but it's nicer to be loved in everybody's hometown. Yeah. (laughs) Man, you should put that like on a license plate or something. I love that. That's a great quote. Okay, so you guys come to RV Summit. Chuck, you were kind of tricked into it. I love that, Michelle. It makes me like you even more than I already did. Uh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> and so you guys come and decide, let's do this. We're going to try to figure this out. Worst case scenario, like you said, you have this really cool, you get to see a ton of stuff, and that's awesome. So, what was kind of the first step? And now we're kind of taking it and thinking, like, how can, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other musicians out there are wanting to maybe go replicate what you guys have done because now, like even just looking at your site, you guys have so many gigs booked. And even last year for not being on the road, like you've done a really good job of being able to identify and and land gigs. So what were some of the things that you guys did to help prepare um, and actually start finding gigs outside of your hometown area? Yeah, it's uh, it started long ago with me because I've been touring for a very long time. Uh, in the old days before the internet, when dinosaurs were roaming the land, uh, <laughs> we, you would have to go to the town physically and go and they would have little newspapers, little entertainment newspapers like the LA Weekly in, in Los Angeles. And uh, you would pick one of those up and you'd go to the back where all the nasty stuff was and you'd try to figure out who was playing and what club and what clubs were good. Uh, the trick being, of course, is that you have to not only find a place to play, but you have to find a place that is, a good, is a good suit. Yeah, it's yeah. a good match for what you do. Uh, because, uh, you know, I've dealt with a few agents over the years, not a lot, but, um, I've, I've been booked in punk clubs as a solo acoustic guy, uh, because they needed to put a body in the room and, you know, the punk guys in, in the club were very nice about it, but, uh, (laughs) it wasn't exactly what they were expecting. Yeah. (laughs) So, so so, thank goodness for the internet now. The internet makes the world so much better because (laughs) now I can poke my nose in everybody's business all over the globe. Uh, and it, it through becomes YouTube, yeah, right? Well, and I use YouTube, I use Facebook, I use, you know, search engines. Uh, so I guess the process by which you go about it is item one, you need to plan ahead. You need to know where you want to go, decide where you want to go, know where it's going to be starting in about, I would say three months out. At least yeah, if not six to 12 months out. Right. right? Uh, we do book ahead. You know, we have bookings already in November for this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is uh, February. So, you do need to plan ahead. So what we do is we um, we take any bookings that we we already accumulated by you know whatever hook crook or they knew us already, and we we drop those as pins on a map, and then we connect the dots. And by connecting the dots, I you know we calculate moves, how far we're going to move in a day, where we're going to be, where we're going to stop for a week, we're going to stop for two weeks. We figure all that out, you know, using uh, Google Maps and all that, uh, and then. We, I dig around in those locations using the internet to find places. And the, the way I do that is, uh, first thing, like say if I'm going to Santa Fe, okay, I'm going to go to Santa Fe and I'm going to dig around and I'm going to try to find people like me. I'm going to try to find acoustic duos, acoustic solos, guys who are doing Americana, guys who are doing folk, guys who are doing you know acoustic rock. Um, 
and see where they're playing. Because once I can dig those guys up, the rabbit hole gets deep very quickly. <laughs> you find a couple of them, and then you'll find a couple of venues, and those venues will have 20 other guys that are doing the same thing, or bands that are doing the same thing, or girls that are doing the same thing. So how do you, uh, stopping, like, just jumping in right there, like, what's the method that you find for searching musicians in a geographic area? Like, are you just searching on, like, Facebook and looking up musicians and doing it, like, filtering by city? Typically, Don't you start with, like, live music in the town? Like, that's yeah. not oh, how okay. we find First I'll, of all, I'll go to Google and I'll go, uh, I'll either go like acoustic music Santa Fe yeah, or I'll or do acoustic music. duo Santa Fe mm-hmm. or I'll do acoustic, uh, rock San Jose. You know, I'll try to put the word acoustic in there because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a punk band, obviously you're going to put punk in. And then once, you know, that'll, that'll give me a lot of different things. It'll give me a lot of, you know, misses. It's going to give me a lot of failures. And I have to pick through the failures a little bit and find the couple of little nuggets that are in there. Once I find a couple of people who I I can kind of equate to what we do, and not necessarily exactly what we do, because nobody does exactly the same thing. And, uh, you know, often we'll find, you know, I'll find a jazz guy or something, but he'll be playing a room that I can fairly well identify once I get that room. Uh, on my radar that, okay, he's not the only type of music there. Like there are people like me playing there too. So then we find those venues through those bands. And, and so, uh, like I said before, before the internet, I started doing this and Mm -hmm. I started building myself a little database. If I had any sense, I would recommend doing it on Excel. I started out on word. (laughs) And so that's the way it remains. And I literally have thousands and thousands of pages of venues in word and I, you know, organize them by state, by county, by city. And then, uh, so I add these venues to my database as I go through and then, you know, get the conf- contact information. Uh, then comes the, the ugly, you know, part of the job, but it's the necessary part of the job. And you have to have a lot of patience uh, and persistence to do it because you got to, you know, send them an email or send them a, a Facebook message or, uh, call or them Instagram or, or you know, Twitter, whatever, whatever they do, whatever they want. Right. And right. and a lot of times they'll point you to that. You know, you can go on a, on a venue's website and they'll say for booking, send an email to June at whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you send June an email, dear June, we're coming to town. Uh, here's what we do. Would you, you know, we'll be here from this date to this date. So you, you have to know when you're going to be there. And, uh, you know, is there any chance you could squeeze us in the schedule and you have to, you have to sell your product as well. You know, you have to, convince them that you're not terrible, which we're not, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> and how we do that is, is that we, we do have some YouTube uh, videos that we link in our emails, uh, as well as to our social media, so that mm-hmm. uh, most of the time, the venue, the couple things they'll ask is, well, do you have a, a video on YouTube that I can look at to see who you are and what you do? Or what they call an EPK, an electronic press kit, mm-hmm. which uh, is, you know, basically all of your your promotional information and video and audio in in one, in one place yeah. one link mm-hmm. on your website you know and mm-hmm. you have to be able to describe what you do and so what what we tell them is you know we're uh, an acoustic primarily cover band we do originals but you know we have almost 1400 um, uh, songs in our repertoire as we sit here uh, which is kind of our thing you know we like to take requests and and that kind of thing and this is this is all stuff that I lay out in a, a kind of a form email mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that words it nicer than I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then this, he, he makes it sound like it's like one or two touches. 
this is a sales job, really. I, he, he is in charge of selling and booking the band. And uh, he can send out maybe 100 emails to one town. Easily. Easily. And then follow-ups on that. You know, you can't just send one. You have to touch these venues multiple times uh, in order for them to respond. And, you know, I think I think the ratio has been somewhere between 75 and 100 emails to one booking. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's not a it's not a high rate of return. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, 90 percent of them won't respond to you at all. They won't even bother to send you a, a response. Uh, and then, you know, there'll be the other eight percent of that. I'll say, oh, you know, thank you. But we're booked already or, you know, thank you. We don't feel it's a good fit. OK, that's fine. I, you know, at least you know something, but the, then you get the payoff ones and that's the, you know, that's where you're jumping up and down. So, okay. We got one. <laughs> we, do, we do do a special dance. When somebody <laughs> works the gig. So. I, I love that. What's the, uh, like, do you have a typical email length for that first message and how, how long it is? That's worked pretty well. Um, I think the, the standard form email that I'm sending out right now, I think it's about, I've never counted the, the actual words, but it's it's got to be like four or five paragraphs, and they're not long paragraphs. You yeah, know, two, three. It says per paragraph, um, you know, just opening up, introducing myself. Hi, I'm Chuck Crow. Um, my band is the Status Crows. Uh, we do you know acoustic covers, and then the next paragraph is like, okay, we have a, you know almost fourteen hundred songs. You can find them at this link. You know, here's our website. Here's our Facebook. Here's our Instagram. Uh, here's our YouTube channel. Uh, and then, and we'll this say, is when we're going to be there. Yeah. And then, well, and then the next piece I believe I deliver in the email says, uh, now I'm having, <laughs> well, when we're going to be there and, yeah, uh, that's kind you of know, near the end and, bit. and Hey, you know, let's, let's, let's do some business is kind of, you know, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of business to it. Uh, really you gotta, gotta be businesslike in your approach to these people too. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to send, send 40 pages of, you know, every gig that I've ever done or whatever, cause they're not going to read it. Uh, <laughs> you know, you need to get to the state, what you, what you want, what you can do for them. Like, Oh yeah, I know what the next piece was. I, I put in there, you know, we can, we can bring our own PA, we can bring our own lights. Mm-hmm. We can, um, you know, we can play for four or five hours without a break if that's necessary. Um, you know, I give them a little bit of that. We don't take up a lot of space because we're an acoustic duo. If you, if you have a tight space, that's okay. Um, you know, things like that, little details, but I say it quickly and concisely so that I don't make them read a long dissertation because they won't. It's that they got too many, you know, they're getting a thousand emails a day. They ain't got time to pick through. Totally. No, that makes sense. And one thing that I really like that you touch on it's by the way, it's like remarkably similar to the process that I went through during our first year on the road where I was doing our hourly American documentary and trying to find jobs. It was like, like literally Googling jobs in Albuquerque, New Mexico, jobs in Santa Fe, and then going through this very similar process. And one thing you touched on that is like so important that I just want to highlight for people is that finding the place, because there's two different, I guess, modes of thought. And the thing that I really screwed up on was that like, at first I tried to cast a really wide thing. Like I was just like, okay, anybody who will hire me. And then after a certain point, I realized like it was so, so hard to do that. Like what you, what you said that stuck out to me was that you were like, I'm going to find the places that would really fit and jive with what we do as you learn from experience. And, and I think that just goes so far. And I'm sure that even helps you cut through so much of the clutter. Cause there's like a reason why you're reaching out to this place. Like there's just adding that point of like, I reached out because, um, these are the songs we play and this is what it looks like. Like, 
it is mind-boggling the amount of people who do cold outreach and don't use that reason why. Like I reached out to because it just shows like the most minimal amount of thoughtfulness that I would ever want to have in a cold email, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, uh, that's the business approach, you know, that, that, uh, any good salesperson is going to do their research ahead of time to the target that they're trying to sell to. Right. And so that's a lot of what Chuck is doing is, is that pre-research and, and narrowing down that field a little bit so that he's not wasting his time either. You know, we, we don't want to waste the time of the venue or the, or the booker, but we also, you know, he only has a certain amount of time in the day before I'm bugging him to do other things like go for a hike or, or something like that. Cause we want to actually see the places that we visit. But, um, but yeah, one of the, uh, I think that he does that super well is, is he, he pre-researches and then the, the contact that he makes is very succinct and, um, yeah, and it's working, it's working really well. Uh, like we, we do a lot of wine bars, actually wine bars are, are a great fit for us. And we know that. And I think you even open the email sometimes with, Hey, we go great with wine, you know, Breweries, we do those or, a lot or too. Breweries, those yeah. are, those are breweries are terrific, especially in Montana. We love our breweries mm. in Montana. <laughs> yeah. What's a good amount of venues or like gigs to book in a year? Like how many guys did you guys book last year and how, like what's on the sleeve for this year? Well, last year, yeah, I think we had about five per month, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe more. We, we do just depending on the month, you know, there, there are dead months and there are crazy months. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we divided it down, I think we had about five, five per month last year, which is. And it's know. not all just uh, public venues like, like bars or restaurants or wineries or breweries or anything like that. We also do corporate events. Um, we do RV rallies. The escapers have hired us many times over. We love working for them. We love working for Heath and Alyssa Padgett at the That's RV right. summit. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so the, when we say, you know, it's been, uh, an average of four to five gigs a month, it's all those things put together. Yeah. So private parties also we've done living room concerts, all kinds of things. I mean, and la- was last year y'all's first year full-timing or being on the road? Uh, we actually been living in the rig for almost two years. Uh, that, that first year spoking out from our base camp here in Southern California. And then this last year has been full-time untethered on the road. Wow. So s- around 60 gigs your first year. That's amazing. I feel like if I had a clap track, I would play it right now because that's just <laughs> like, that's, that's incredible. I mean, did y'all think that you'd be able to book that many? G- and I'm not a musician, so that could be like a really low number. That could be a really high number. I have no baseline for what is good, but for me, that feels very impressive. I'm shooting for higher, but I'm pretty happy with last year. Yeah, it was pretty pretty good for us. You know, obviously, um, moving around will. You know, you have to take those travel days in consideration. So there's mm-hmm. that too, and how far you got to go. So. Yeah, the one thing about if we were going to talk to somebody and advise someone on on how to do this lifestyle, one of the things that Chuck does really well is uh, build in enough travel days because, you know, some of our friends who are full-time RVers are not destination-driven, per se, for their work, right? And they kind of go more with the wind, uh, whereas we have to get somewhere to do the work. We, you know, there's a, there's a place and a time that we need to show up to do the work. And 
with that comes, you have to, sometimes we've got to power through and grab, you know, uh, 600 miles in a couple of days to get there. Uh, and with me still working, we have to build in the, that drive time usually on the weekends so that, uh, so that we're not, you know, driving down the road and I'm doing zoom meetings with clients. That's not a good mix. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, so, so there's, you gotta really plan you have to be a good planner and know what, know what you're made of. You know, can you, are, are you a campground person? If you are, then running and gunning 600 miles in two days across Texas, doing Walmart's, uh, stops, you know, just to sleep for a few hours so you can get up and keep going. That can be a rough schedule. Uh, if, if, uh, if that's not your thing, then you need to schedule appropriately and give yourself plenty of time in between gigs, not only for your own health, because again, you know, we have to stay healthy to do what we do. We don't want to be sick all the time because then that affects your performance level. But also too, if you have a breakdown, if you've, if you've committed to a gig, you got to get there or a windstorm or a windstorm. <laughs> Windstorms have been our nemesis we lately, stuck in a windstorm <laughs> recently, but we made it anyway. We made the gig. We made the gig only yeah. because we had padded the days on the front. Yeah. Um, in order to get it done. Mm -hmm. yeah. So lots, lots of padding on your travel days, being really mindful of, of your own, um, physical endurance when it comes to driving, whatever rig you're, you're, you're doing your full-time lifestyle in. Uh, but you know, everything that goes along with that, you know, can, can you handle driving for six hours and then doing a gig? At the end of the day, that's that's a really big day. The, an the answer for that is no, you yeah, can't. You shouldn't. Even if you think you can, you can't. I'm telling you right now, your show will suffer from it. <laughs> Do you guys feel like the pace that you've been at with 60 gigs in a year balancing, you know, contract work on top of that, is this is this sustainable for you guys? I think so. I think we're finding a good balance. Uh, we love performing as the status crows. It's every day where there's a gig is a great day. And that's our passion as a, as a couple. It's our passion and our, our work. Uh, we would love to do nothing but that. And that's, I think our ultimate goal is to be financially secure as a band without needing the extra uh, income that I do with my job. Not that I'm quitting my job. Uh, anybody who's listening, <laughs> I, I love my job so much, but, um, but it would be truly awesome to, to not have to, um, depend on other income sources and just to have the status crows be our full time financial income source. And, you know, that's where we're going. That's our, that's our intention and our, and our ultimate destination. Yeah. She can have the day job for, for mad money. She can go out and yeah, I love that. I was, I was talking with a couple of our speakers for our upcoming RBE summit, uh, Mark and Trisha from keep your daydream without going into too much of their talk. One thing that they kind of touched on was that for many people, wanting to create income and things like that on the road is often just like a means to an end. Like you're, you're not working for the sake of like going out and hitting the road so you can work more, but to create freedom and space to hopefully do the things that you want to do. Like you can figure out the income portion. And it sounds like that's kind of been y'all's approach. Like there are other income streams, investment property, um, contract work, but you've created space and time for you to be able to you know, go out and, and play a lot of shows and build up that income stream versus if you were to kind of hit the road and say, like, we have to make our music work right now. Do you think that would have like you guys would have burned out or been able to sustain doing that or, or would it have been more stressful? 
Yeah, it would have been definitely more stressful. I don't I don't know that it would have been wise for us to chuck all the jobs and just hit the road and say, okay, we're we're supporting ourselves with the band. Uh, I think that would be way too much pressure. We yeah, yeah. You, you would probably not maybe burn yourself out, but you would find yourself in uncomfortable positions as far as you know the next show and the next show, and and that would be a lot of unnecessary stress in our opinion. Yeah, um, I as a, as a full time reviewer, you can control a lot of your expenses, as we know. Um, anybody who's listening to your podcast knows that uh, that you know boondocking and and uh, uh, WalMarting and stuff like that can help with the keeping your costs down. But I think that if we had chucked it all and just went straight for the, the band money right from the get go, I think that that just would have been too close to the, to the line as far as, you know, expenses versus income. I think, I think that would have been too stressful for us. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Yeah. Um, And another thing too, that as we're passing by the subject, I'll, I'll note that, you know, um, boondocking and that kind of thing and mooch docking, (laughs) Uh, you find that as you're a musician and you're putting yourself out there farther and farther and you're hitting, reaching more people, more opportunities come up and people come to you and say, well, I got a farm in Louisiana. You could just come and park on our thing for it. That's true. We play for us. We'll be there. And so then we plan a stop there and we'll book gigs around that stop. Mm -hmm. Um, It becomes a little more cost effective as you build up your fan base and as you build up your, your, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, notoriety. I don't know. What I'm yeah, notoriety. Yeah, of course, notoriety. we're famous in a way. I guess. Everyone, yeah, and getting everyone small towns is getting to know you. Yeah. So talking about like the around the finances, if there's another musician uh, and he, she, that couple are wanting to go out and and travel and and book gigs and play, like, what are some of the things that you guys have learned around like how do you set up your pricing for a show? How do you approach? you know, different ways that you make money on a show. I know you guys sell CDs and, and merch and things like that. So um, I guess just kind of if you can glean some insights from how you guys approach the monetization and business aspect uh, as a musician. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, it's always the it was it's the hardest thing for me as a musician to do. Uh, <laughs> that's a very difficult part when it comes of, well, how much is it? Well, uh, how long are we going to play? Do we need our own PA? Do we need our own lights? Do we have the stuff we need to set up beforehand? Or are you going to provide us with a PA? There's a lot of variables in there. Uh, and also you have to take into consideration, you know, am I playing until 2 a.m. or am I playing till 11? And, you know, that kind of thing. Because if you're playing to 2 a.m. and you're playing five hours straight and you have to set up beforehand and you have to tear down afterwards and you have to drive to, to and from, a lot of wear and tear on you. You're going to want to get more money for that. Mm-hmm. Um also, what kind of a gig is it? Right. You know, if it's a uh, bar, it's probably bar, less. A little less, yeah, because yeah. bars can't, uh, you know, take a, a as hard a hit as, a, say, a corporate gig. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're, we're always looking for the the big money ones, but and so we're flexible with pricing in that way. We have a baseline that we say, okay, uh, we when they come back at me is okay, how much? Well, we typically ask for, and then I give them a figure, a flat figure, and say, okay, and see what they do. Uh, we're not manufacturing anything here, so it's not like we're losing money if they come back with, well, we can only pay you, you know, $200 for, for two hours or whatever. Okay. All right. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that and Michelle and I'll get together and say, okay, is it worth it to drive over here for whatever that, mm-hmm. you know, and typically too, um, a lot of times we say yes though, cause we love what we're doing. <laughs> we do. Yeah. It's fun and we want to keep busy. Uh, yeah. and the other thing is, you know, tip jar, 
Um, oh, we yeah. can we can double our our money sometimes triple it with a tip jar. So yeah, and merch and all <laughs> yeah. this combination of things. So, so, yeah. um, so we take all that in consideration. Yeah. You know, if if the if it's a big room uh, in in a big touristy town where we know that we're going to get a lot of people in that room, then we may take less on the the fee from the venue because we'll we'll make it up on the tip side. Uh, that makes sense. So, um, on the flip side, it's kind of a non sequitur, but how many hours are you working in your contract right now, Michelle? My gig is actually full time, uh, as a corporate uh, person. So, um, but I work my own hours in a way because I support global clients. So sometimes if I'm talking to Germany, I'm, I'm, and I'm keeping central time hours in the United States, then, uh, I'm, you know, up at five, six o'clock in the morning, but then I have a lot of my daytime available. Uh, sometimes I'm working with Australia, so I'm, I'm doing office work at midnight. So, uh, that that piece of it's really great because I can work my own schedule. Yeah, but but you put in at least forty hours in a week. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I just um, it's good to have context because then it like kind of shows if you can find a remote gig, you can also play sixty shows a year and kind of mm-hmm. and do both until one maybe becomes more. You know, if music's picking up, you can devote a little bit more time to that, or or vice versa. So absolutely, absolutely. And then you know, if you can figure out how to combine your corporate a job because you're moving around with your gig schedule. That actually is great. We're working on that. that. (laughs) Like like there's places I know that I have to be for my work, my, my job, uh, representing the company. And so, uh, we've made sure that we've, uh, routed ourselves to get there and then either book a gig for the event where my company's going to be, which in that case, we've done that and, or book a gig nearby. Right. Uh, and that gives us a little built in audience in a place that we don't normally have a big following. Right. To, my company nice. wants to come and, and see us play. So whenever we're, we're, we're somewhere where my company teammates are around, then of course they want to come and support us. And we also get that support, just another segue, kind of not exactly what we're talking about, but the RV community is really supportive too. Uh, I, I have to say that at least half of our gigs last year, we put out and announce uh, on our social media, hey, we're playing at this venue at this time and this date. And inevitably, at least one or two RVers, fellow RVers will travel to our gig, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. A couple hundred miles is no big deal for some of these people. So they will reroute themselves to come see us and support us live, which and we is, appreciate oh, we're so, so grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. That, and, and, um, that becomes a selling point too, for a venue. You know, we already know that in some towns we have a, we have people we know will show for us. And so that, that becomes a selling point for a venue. I love that. If you, if you're listening to this, go check out the website. Is it the status it's, it's just statuscrows.com and that's uh, uh, crows with an E-S because... Uh, that's a last name thing. That's our last name, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so you should go check out all the shows that y'all are playing if you want to maybe stop by and check them out, which I highly recommend. Y'all are amazing live. It was awesome getting to watch y'all play. And uh, last question I have for you is like, is you were, Chuck, if you think about your six-year-old version of yourself traveling around playing music, how does this compared to that dream that you've kind of carried around for a long time? You know, um, nothing ever ends up like you envision it. Um, I'm not playing, you know, 30,000 person (laughs) venue, but then again, I'm having a great time doing exactly what I love to do. Uh, and I could not be happier about, you know, 
uh, about how it's turned out. I mean, it, it just makes me thrilled that I can be a musician full time. And, uh, and it's always been my dream. So I'd say, um, I feel pretty successful about that. I love it. And, and for you, Michelle, like, as you were kind of dreaming about this life, how is it compared to what you thought it might be? Oh my gosh. I, I have to say that I haven't been at the musician stuff as long as Chuck. And I was told a long time ago by, I went to like a palm reader one time who said to me, oh, you're not going to be a performer until much later in your life. And at the time I was trying to be an actress in Los Angeles way back in the day. And so I was kind of miffed by that. But I I think about her often now because uh, it really is me being a performer on my own terms, seeing the country along the way with, with my partner who I love and adore. Uh, And it's, it's, I couldn't design a better life right now. I love it. That's awesome. Well, the status quo.com is a good place to connect with you guys. Is there any other social where people can reach out to y'all or shoot you a message? Uh, absolutely. We're just, uh, at bookings, uh, at statuscrows.com is how to get us. And, uh, you can also reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, those are places where we are typically. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having us. Thank you. It's been great. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into that episode with Chuck and Michelle. If you want, as always, go check out the show notes over at heathandalyssa.com and click on podcasts where they all are located. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see y'all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. 